Hello and welcome back to Stories with a Nerd. So we're back for another episode of The Wizards of Once Twice Magic. I hope you enjoyed the last one and I hope you enjoy this one. So let's get into it. Chapter 4 The Pointing Finger of the Witch Smeller. Smeller had a face that seemed to be entirely composed of nose, a nose that quivered and trembled sensitively at the tip, as if at any moment it might wander around to left and right, pointing like a finger. The witch smeller had bony fingers that quivered like the legs of a praying mantis, as if he could smell with his very fingers themselves. Beards of dwarves hung from his cloak, little skulls of poor sprites hung from his neck. From his belt hung goblin hearts and the beards of elves and toenail clippings of famous giants he had killed after they gave themselves up, for the witch smeller did not think you needed to keep promises you made to giants. He was a little annoyed at having to come so far out west to this godforsaken, uncivilised jungle. He supposed the food would be terrible out here, but the emperor had insisted. He gave Queen Sycorax a very perfunctory bow. Ah, the pest controller, said the Queen Sycorax, inclining her head. My name, said the witch smeller, stiffening somewhat, is the witch smeller. Excellent, said Queen Sycorax. Welcome to Iron Warrior Fort. I've summoned you here to my queendom because we've made some unwelcome discovery that witches are not extinct after all and I need you to hunt some down for me. Oh, thought Wish, cheering up a little. So my mother isn't leaving the wizards to fight the witches on their own, but I'm not sure she's chosen the right person to help her. You have come to the right person, said the witch smeller with a little smile. He didn't quite like the word summoned. Who did this backwater queen think she was? Let me explain my problem. This stone here used to be my stone that takes away magic, said Queen Sycorax. She gestured to the back of the stage where Wish realised for the first time the stone had been carried up from the dungeon where it was normally kept. And for many years I have successfully removed the magic for many a giant and sprite. But about six months ago the stone was found to contain a king witch who then escaped from the stone and as a result we have something of a witch infestation in the western territories. The witch smeller took a good look at the stone. There was a a sword sticking out of the great jagged split that cracked the stone from side to side. The witch smeller tried to remove the sword from the cracked stone. It would not budge. The witch smeller made tut-tutting noises. I've built a wall along the entire western edge of my kingdom to protect warrior territories, but I need you and your troops to go out there and hunt down the witches, said Queen Zycorax. The witch smeller shook his head condescendingly. Ah, your majesty, I am quite surprised that you used a magical object like this stone in the first place, and you should have been killing the magic, not removing it. The emperor would not be pleased. Such softness is not the warrior way. There was an uncomfortable murmur from Queen Sycorax's subjects, and they all took a step backwards as if moving away from the edge of a volcano that was about to blow. Nobody spoke to Queen Sycorax like that. Queen Sycorax's eyes sharpened to flinty arrows. Softness? Softness? Not the warrior way? How dare you question my methods, she said in a voice that could have frozen the very bone marrow of a lesser man. I merely use magic to destroy magic in a modern, civilised manner. The the ends justify the means. I am a great monarch, and you are a mere common or garden rodent operative. I have commanded you to go out and hunt witches, so go and do it. The witch miller jumped as if he'd been bitten. 
he had never met someone with quite the force of Queen Sycorax's personality. Mostly people cowered before him. He, the witch-smeller, was the terror of the Empire. He looked behind him at his soldiers, the Emperor's crack magic hunting troops. The sunlight glistened off their iron helmets, their bristling weaponry, their magic catching equipment. I believe I am the expert on witches, your majesty, snapped the witch-smeller. Your problem is not the witches out there, but the witches here in this courtyard. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, thought Wish. This definitely is not the right person to help. What on earth are you talking about, snapped Queen Sycorax, outsnapping him by double. I've told you, no witches can get over my wall. You have invited me here looking for witches and I intend to find them, shouted the witch smeller, pointing one quivering finger in the air. He sidled forward and began to sniff at the nearest person as if he were a dog. I smell witches, hissed the witch smeller in a high squeaky voice. A murmur of horror went around the courtyard. Oh, for goodness sake, said Queen Sycorax with a sigh, thinking, oh no, just my luck, he's a nutcase and thoroughly regretting inviting this lunatic into her queendom in the first place. She generally had perfect control of her subjects, but they were a superstitious lot, and she could see this might get out of hand. I smell witches, cried the witch smeller again, holding his shaking finger to the heavens in a voice of doom. Mad as a box load of frogs, nuttier than a tree full of squirrels, thought the queen. I can sniff out magic, wherever it may be hiding, snarled the witch smeller. I will move through the crowd and point at any person who is concealing magic. Now there was a dreadful silence in the courtyard, and you did not need the nose of a witch smeller to detect the smell of fear, nerves and sweat. Wish could feel herself getting very hot, and her clothes itching her neck and back. Murmuring mistletoe, you've never actually met a real witch, have you, pest controller, said Queen Sycorax, strumming her fingers on the arms of her throne in great irritation. You'd know it if you saw one, a big feathered thing with green blood and talons. Those kind of witches are extinct, screamed the witch smeller. I'm talking about the modern witches, the witches in our mist. You won't find any magic here, pest controller, said Queen Sycorax, yawning. I keep a very clean castle. Wish tried to half-hide behind her stepsister drama to make herself even smaller so she would not be noticed. Her hair was so alarmingly frizzy and alive that she was having to hold it down forcibly with both arms. Maybe no one would notice. Please don't let the finger land on me. Please, if that finger lands on me, I'm never going to be allowed out of that punishment cupboard ever again. My mother is going to be so disappointed, but that will be the least of my worries because I may also be dead. And here in the quivering nose was right behind her. Sniff, sniff, sniff. The fingers paused and she could almost feel them. The bony digit about to press itself into her back like the spooky white bone of a chicken. It would happen in one second. Two, wish could not bury the agony of suspense. She closed her one eye. Please don't let the finger land on me. Please. The finger paused behind her. It was about to land on her. She knew it. Chapter 5. The finger lands on Wish and everything gets a bit chaotic. The spooky chicken finger of the witch smeller landed right in the middle of Wish's back. Aha! cried the witch smeller triumphantly, swinging her round to face him. A witch! The crowd gave a moan of astonishment. 
How do you do? gabbled Wish, rather desperately falling back on her visitor manners. Welcome to Warrior Castle. Did you have a good trip? Very pleasant weather for the time of year. I do hope you are well, and uh, what do you do? The witch miller blinked at her in, in amazement. I hunt witches, he snarled. You have to hand it to Queen Sycorax. She was absolutely as, as cool as a cucumber in a crisis. She glided out of her throne in a graceful golden flash, and she laid a restraining hand on the witch miller's arm. She even managed to sound a little bored. That is not a witch, pest controller, said Queen Sycorax. That is my daughter, Wish. She may be a bit of an incompetent disgrace to her tribe, but she most certainly is not a witch. She couldn't possibly be the daughter of a warrior queen, hissed the witch smeller. She's very odd looking. I think I know my own daughter, said the queen witheringly. Hair disgraceful. Height poor. General warrior turnout utterly substandard. Where are your weapons, Wish? I left them in the cupboard, said Wish, miserably looking down at her feet to avoid her mother's scathing gaze. Spelling appalling, disobedience unspeakable, deportment tragic, continued Sycorax, brutal even by her own standards, for Sycorax was cross. Yes, it's definitely her, but this notice on her chest says that she's a fuel. What is a fuel? spluttered the witch smeller suspiciously. Is that some kind of western magical being? You are the fool, pest controller, said the Queen Sycorax in a cold reasoned voice. Witches cannot hide themselves in people. I keep telling you witches are a very different thing altogether. Witches have green blood and feathered wings. They are not extinct, which is the reason I summoned you here in the first place. The witch smeller had regained his composure. He held up his finger. The finger is never wrong, shouted the witch smeller. Search the fuel. Sycorax drew herself up to her full royal height. My daughter, however hopelessly unworthy, is of royal blood and a direct descendant of Grimshanks the Ogre Wrangler, said Queen Sycorax. You most certainly will not search her or I will be complaining to the emperor personally. Wish, will you turn out all your pockets on your own, won't you wish? Thank goodness Bodkin had taken all those enchanted objects off her, thought Wish. He was the best bodyguard in the world, and she really, really should start taking his advice. Wish felt in her pockets, confident at least of finding nothing there, and turned a little white. She slowly drew out her hand, opened it, and there sitting in the palm was... Sprite. And out of the other pocket, in terrified alarm, there buzzed Squeeze Shoes, who just had time to squeak at Wish. I'm sorry, Wish. Wish blinked to him in astonishment. What was he doing here, anyway? Out of nowhere, a peregrine falcon dived down in a blur of wings and hovered for a split second above Wish's hand. With impeccable timing, if Wish had been in the mood to admire it, the little wand sprite hopped on the bird's back and squeezed Juice hung onto one of the falcon's claws, and they soared up, up and away, Wish looking after them with her mouth open. There was a nasty silence. And then there was absolute chaos. She has sprites in her pockets, screeched the witch miller. She's a witch! Is this your idea, Wish, said Queen Sycorax, through teeth so gritted they were practically grinding, of not causing any trouble? 
I didn't know they were in there. Honestly, Mother, pleaded Wish with a very white face. Seize the fuel, screamed the lunatic witch smeller, drawing his sword. The princess may have a few sprites in her pockets, cried Queen Sycorax, in descendant with annoyance and drawing her own sword. But that doesn't make the disobedient little excuse for a princess a witch. Warriors, defend the princess. And then she gave a start as clang, 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 clang across the royal sage came the enchanted spoon rushing to Wish's rescue. He had a curious way of propelling himself like he was doing headstands and then jumping back onto his feet again, cartwheeling from bowl to handle and then back to bowl again. What is that? His queen Sycorax in disbelief. As quick as a whip, the enchanted spoon danced right up the baffled Wishmeller's long cloak body. Clang, clang, clunk, clang. The enchanted spoon was clanging the witchmeller's helmet from left to right so loudly that the witchmeller dropped his sword and staggered, his ears ringing with a noise. And just as if things weren't confusing enough already, Witch attack! screamed Bodkin as with a strength born of fear the assistant bodyguard managed, despite his two sets of armour, to clamber onto the royal stage. For Bodkin, his mind full of witches had seen something that nobody else had noticed. The problem with invisible attackers is that you start seeing them everywhere. This time, Bodkin knew he was right. There was a witch talon levitating in the air, heading in the direction of Wish and the witch smeller. So Bodkin stormed the royal stage, screaming, Witch, witch, which, as you can imagine, didn't exactly calm the situation. Witch, wish, there's a witch right behind you, yelled Bodkin. Seize the fuel, screamed a whole crowd of magic hunters, storming the stage right behind Bodkin. Defend the princess, yelled the warriors, loyal to Queen Sycorax, storming the stage after them. I told you it was chaos. Aha, cried the witch smeller in triumph, as he eventually managed to grab the thing that was attacking him and pull it off his head. The spoon immediately stopped struggling and pretended to be dead. The witch smeller blinked at it in astonishment. I'm being attacked by a spoon. He leant down and sniffed the spoon all over, the revolting tip of his nose snuffling up and down it like it was a bloodhound. The spoon tried as hard as it could to be rigid, but eventually he couldn't quite bear it. The sniffing was so ticklish. Little ripples shook his sides like giggles, and for one second... Before he turned hard again, the witch smeller blinked. Surely he hadn't seen that. A spoon couldn't move. Tentatively, he put the spoon in his mouth because that's what you did with a spoon, after all. The minute it touched his lips from the spoon, struggled wildly, thrashing around from side to side, desperate to escape. The witch smeller put the sp spat the spoon out in horror and screamed like he'd been stung by a hornet. It's alive! It was hard to know who was the more revolted, the witch smeller or the spoon. The spoon leapt up, wrapped him sharply on the sensitive end of his nose, and hopped down the witch smeller as fast as he could hop before disappearing through the nearest person's legs. Catch that spoon, yelled the witch smeller, holding onto his nose. I wish I had a sword, thought Wish, looking desperately around her. She was standing right next to the enchanted sword, which was stuck fast in a stone that no longer took away magic. So Wish reached out and took it. Queen Sycorax watched Wish do this with a royal mouth slightly ajar. Sycorax had spent the last six months trying every trick in the book that she knew to get that beastly witch-killing sword out of the stone. But with the return of the witches to the forest, she really, really needed it, and it would not budge. Six months! She had giants, rogue breasts, strong men and women from all over the queendom try to pull it out. 
could even secretly tried spelling it out. The Queen Sycorax was a very tricky and unusual person, and she was not above using magic to destroy magic, as we have seen. To no avail. Nothing had worked. And here was her odd, unsatisfactory little daughter just reaching out and taking it. Queen Sycorax was reluctantly not only impressed, but perhaps a little confused. There were things going on here that Queen Sycorax did not perfectly understand, and Queen Sycorax absolutely hated that. Which wasn't normally at all that good at sword fighting. But the enchanted sword had the rather satisfactory effect of turning whoever was wielding it into the best sword fighter in the world. So I wish disarmed one, two, three magic hunters in a row. Nice work, Queen Sycorax said to herself watching this. Wish then ran to help Bodkin, for he did now seem to be fighting what looked like a wish, witch's talon that was floating in the air. Clumsily, poor Bodkin, because, as Wish has said earlier, it's very important not to wear so much armour that you find it difficult to move. He couldn't turn his head to face the invisible opponent that he thought was fighting. He turned his entire body 360 degrees and shuffled around very, very slowly. To make matters worse... Bodkin's impressive but completely blind-making visor then came down, and he couldn't see a thing. The sword was so heavy that when he eventually managed to lift it and make a wild swipe at where he guessed his opponent might be, the weight of it carried him with it, and he lost his balance, and clang! That was the sound of Bodkin's helmeted head hitting the floor. He immediately passed out, for Bodkin had a slight problem. He had a medical condition that caused him to fall, in, to fall asleep in situations of extreme danger. Bodkin, wake up, yelled Wish. Who, where, what, how? Bodkin sat up, holding his head. Iron Warrior 4, possible witch attack? Watch out, I think it's going to dive, shouted Wish. She was about to lunge with the enchanted sword towards where she thought the invisible assailant might be. And then she checked herself just in time. Could this be... Chapter 6, and a little more chaotic still. Indeed, it could be. The invisible assailants slowly became visible in front of Wish's eyes as the iron of the soldiers surrounding him made whatever invisibility spell he was using to wear off. It was the wizard boy, Zar, son of Incanzo. Zar! exclaimed Wish, completely forgetting that they were where they both were in her delight at seeing her old friend again. But, but, what are you doing here? I'm saving you, even though you completely sabotaged my mission, shouted Tsar. That tricky wretch of a wizard boy, gasped Queen Sycorax. Tsar, you see, had gone to considerable trouble to get into Iron Warrior Fort. He needed his spelling book. Caliburn had begged him not to involve Wish in all this trouble, but Tsar had said he would just sneak in and take back the spelling book without her realising. Everything had initially gone to plan. He had got through the wall by the simple trick of approaching the gate wearing Queen Sycorax's hooded cloak, which she had stolen from her six months ago. Queen Sycorax made a bit of a habit wearing these spectacular cloaks that didn't show her face, so she could come and go through her own wall without people recognising her. Zar passed through the gate unchallenged by the sentries, and the sprites hidden underneath the folds of her fabric. It took a while for them to find Wish, creeping through the corridors of the fort, using invisibility spells and lurking in quiet corners. When Wish and Bodkin had run out of the schoolroom, they had been followed by an invisible Zar and his sprites. Zar had tripped Wish up at the bottom of the stairs so that the once sprite and squeeze juice had searched her pockets for the spelling book. But once they were in the courtyard, all the surrounding iron had turned them both visible, and by the time Wish had reached the royal stage, it didn't seem a very good moment for the sprites to escape. Tiffin Storm and Hinky Punk 
were all for leaving Wish to fend for herself when the witch smeller accused her of being a witch. But Zar was determined to stick to his resolution to be good. He couldn't abandon Wish, particularly when it was his sprites in her pockets that had got her into trouble. So he made an invisible charge at the witch smeller, only to be tackled round the legs by Bodkin the bodyguard, who mistook Zar's drawn sword for the talon of a witch. But this was all news to Wish, who hadn't realised any of this was going on. Saving me? Sabotaged his mission? What is Zar talking about? Blink, 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 blink. Out of nowhere, six sprites came blinking into visibility, and then blink, 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 three smaller lights of the hairy fairies. Wish had been missing these sprites so badly, and at any other time, she'd have been so thrilled to see them. But right now, I have to say, I don't want to be unwelcoming, but this is a really, really bad moment for you to drop by, said Wish. This was the understatement for the Iron Age. The effect of a wizard boy, a talking raven, six sprites and three hairy fairies rapidly appearing in an iron warrior fort full of blood-crazy magic hunters who had already been whipped into a witch-finding frenzy by a barking mad witch-smeller is a rather similar one to that of a large, plump, juicy chicken with ten dear little yellow fluffy baby chicks suddenly appearing in the middle of a pack of ravenous wolves who've had a bit of a lean streak lately. A wizard and its witch companions shriek the witch-smeller. He really couldn't have ever seen a real witch if he thought, a witch looked like squeeze juice, but the other magic hunters weren't in a mood to be picky about their species identification, so they all joined in joyfully. Get them, they cried. Now, this was a crisis. Queen Sigrax's warriors might rush to stop the, the magic hunters from seizing their unsatisfactory little princess, but they weren't going to do the same for Zar. Indeed, they might even join in. After meeting him six months ago, Zar wasn't exactly top of Queen Sigrax's midwinter and eve present list. Yes, it was most definitely a crisis. But Wish, though she didn't look much like her mother, did in fact have a few things in common with Queen Sigrax. She was rather good in a crisis. Cool, collected, tricky, if by tricky you mean clever. In that split second where it became apparent that Zar might be killed if she didn't come up with a pretty nifty solution right now, Wish reviewed her options. She was a bit hampered by the fact that no one had taught her how to use her magic properly, so these choices were a little limited. She could take off her eye patch entirely. That would make the castle fall down, which would create a diversion, but would also be dangerous and a little messy. She could use a spelling book to do a spell of invisibility or transformation. But Bodkin had the spelling book and it would take way too much time for him to retrieve it, carefully hidden as if it were beneath many layers of body armour. Or she could cast a spell that she had seen someone do before so she could copy it. Wish thought back to six months ago when Tiffinstorm had cast the spell that made Zar's bedroom door shrug out of its frame like an old man shrugging out of its jacket and turned it into a flying door so that they could escape from Wizard Fort. She wriggled up her eye patch just a tiny, tiny smidgen and looked up towards the Tower of Education. She imagined the door of the punishment cupboard. She knew that door well, gently shrugging out of its doorframe in the same way as Zar's bedroom door had done. She spelled out the word that Tiffinstorm had said as she cast the spell, M-O-U-V-E. Luckily, magic did not seem to care about the exact positioning of the letters. Indeed, it seemed to positively like creativity in the spelling department. It invigorated the magic, like adding oxygen in some kind of chemical experiment. As the magic hunters thundered towards them, swords drawn, shouting, Kill the witches! Boom! 
Above their heads, the broken door of the punishment cupboard exploded out of the top window of the Tower of Education and rocketed at breathtaking speed neck high across the courtyard. Everybody had to stop charging towards Zara and the sprites, misidentified as witches, and throw themselves on the ground for fear of being decapitated. The witch-smeller rubbed his eyes and stared upward at the door, sailing into the air and turning back round again for another dive. "'What's that?' whispered the witch-smeller in a hollow voice of disbelief. "'It seems to be a door, sir,' said his sergeant smartly. "'I know it's a door, idiot,' spat the witch-smeller. "'But what's it doing flying through the air like a bird?' The door came to a screeching, manic, hovering halt in front of Zara and Wish. "'The wizard boy is kidnapping me!' shouted Wish, grabbing Zar by the arm and dragging him onto the door. The sprites, already finding it difficult to fly because of all the iron around, threw themselves down on the door beside them. Zar grinned. "'Quick thinking, princess!' Neither he nor the sprites could make this door fly themselves because the door had iron hinges and an iron lock. How do I make it work, panic wish? She'd never driven a flying door before. Use the key, advised Caliburn. Without thinking, wish put her hand on the key and then moved her arm back sharply as if she'd been stung, as the head of the key moved like a mouth, asking, Where would you like to go? In its cosy, creaky, upbeat little voice. Up, said wish. We want to go up. She put her hand on the key again, a little more cautiously this time, and moved it gently upwards, and the door went shrieking up into the air so wildly that all of them nearly fell off. "'We have to go back for Bodkin,' yelled Wish. "'We can't leave him there. My mother is hopping mad, and she'll say it's all his fault for not looking after me.' "'Ha!' said Zar. "'Do we have to? He does kind of get in the way. If it wasn't for Bodkin interfering, I'd have smushed that horrible guy with the sniffing nose.' "'Um... I think that Bodkin might have the spelling book, boss, wheezed Squeeze Juice. It wasn't in Wish's pockets. We go back for Bodkin, said Zar, punching the air. Wish slammed the enchanted key to the right, and the door of the punishment cupboard veered violently round in a circle, and made a great swooping dive back down again, sending everyone who was beginning to get up back onto their stomachs for the second time. Zar and Wish both had to lean over and drag Bodkin onto the door. Such was the heaviness of his armour. Nobody shoot, or the princess will die, shouted Wish over the side of a door as it sailed up into the air a little shakily because of Bodkin's weight and swooped backwards and forwards over the crowd. The only person still standing on the royal stage was Queen Sycorax. She would have rather died than throw herself on her stomach. Nonetheless, she was rattled, really rattled. The situation got thoroughly out of hand. She waved the sword up at the door, shouting, not with her usual cool, for Queen Sycorax had lost her temper. Come down immediately, Wish. A warrior princess does not fly about on the back of doors. A warrior princess does not allow herself to get kidnapped. Oh dear, she really is cross, said Wish, peering over the edge of the door. I'm so glad we didn't leave you down there, Bodkin. You're right, don't allow yourself to be kidnapped, Mother Wish shouted back down. A kidnapping just happens. But Queen Sigrax was not fooled. She knew perfectly well who was kidnapping who. Do not, on any account, leave the safety of this fort, commanded Queen Sigrax. Do not, on pain of my most severe displeasure, go over that wall. Take the usual look of disappointment on Queen Sigrax's face when she looked at her daughter, and then times that by about ten. And you'll have an idea of what Queen Sycorax looked like as she gazed up at Wish and her disreputable companions lying on their stomachs on the back of the flying door. I'm so sorry, Mother, said Wish guiltily. Don't worry, I'll be right back, I promise I will. And then the door of the punishment cupboard sailed up, 
up and away over the battlements and on towards Queen Sycorax's wall. Queen Sycorax gave a sigh of fury and resignation. Maddening through her daughter might be. She really did not want her shot down. She called up for the sentry in the Tower of Education. Nobody shoot down the door. The princess is going over the wall. And the astonished cry went up from sentry to sentry and tower and tower and all along the fortifications and battlements of Queen Sycorax's great wall. All is of the queen. Nobody shoot down the door. The wall of Queen Sycorax was supposed to be impregnable, unclimbable, unbreachable by witches and everything magic. The arrow hands of those sentries were absolutely itching to shoot that door down as it sailed majestically and a little erratically over their heads, particularly when Zar leaned over the side of it and gave the ball a cheeky wave. But they were far too scared to disobey orders. Queen Sycorax watched it go. She closed her eyes for a second as the door lurched wildly this way and that and went into nosedive several times before flying on and on over the forest. With her clumsy little daughter in charge, it would be a miracle if they made it for more than five minutes through that forest without crashing. But in among all the anger in Sycorax's face, there was a blink of emotion such more unusual for her. Fear, for she knew now that her daughter was in real and terrible danger. Tap, tap, tap went Queen Sycorax's furious little foot on the royal stage as the witch smeller and his magic hunters got cautiously to their feet, looking as though they felt at a little disadvantage for the queen was the only one who had stayed standing throughout. Queen Sycorax's warriors remained where they were, curled up like hedgehogs, their arms over their heads, for they knew that their queen was about to speak her mind, and it was better to lie low until she had. Queen Sycorax narrowed her eyes, and then she struck every single word a snake bite, dripping with poisonous sarcasm and contempt. I hold you entirely responsible for this mess, you miserable little pest controller, flashed Queen Sycorax. Thanks to your pathetic inability to follow orders and to do your job, my daughter has left the protection of my castle and been carried off into terrible danger because out there, beyond my wall, are real live witches. Not that you would know one if it bit you on the nose. And those real live witches are going to be chasing my daughter and trying to kill her. And this is all your fault. The witch smeller's mouth opened and shut. And then he drew himself up and put his finger in the air for false scariness. He trembled with indignation. He had never met a woman so dreadful in all of his life. None of this is my fault. It is you who is in big trouble, Queen Sycorax. You tried to cover up the fact that your daughter is an extremely dangerous fuel and is fraternising with evil magic elements. She was kidnapped, said Queen Sycorax, and there's no such thing as a fuel, you unbalanced ignoramus. Shaking with fury, the witch smeller whirled round to face his magic hunters in a swoop of cloak, the sprite heads around his neck rattling against the giant's toenails. After them, yelled the witch smeller. Magic hunters, onto your horses. Fairy catchers, have your nets ready. Giant killers, sharpen your axes. We hunt them down. The witch smeller vaulted onto the back of his horse, and with terrible cries, the hunt poured out of the castle gates. The enchanted door was so small in the distance that it was beginning to disappear into that great dark greenness. After it raced the magic hunt, the the raving dog wolves barking, as mad and out of control as if they had seen a fox, the insane scream of the witch smeller at the front, his cloak flying behind him as they charged after the door and into the forest. 
I don't know if you have ever seen a hunt in full cry, but it's a truly terrifying sight. That hunt is going to tear Wish to pieces when it catches up with her, said Drama with satisfaction. It most certainly will not, said Queen Sycorax grimly, for I will reach the witch smeller first. Warriors, she stamped on the royal stage once, twice. Up and on your feet, saddle my hunting horse. There's no time to lose. We have a princess to catch. Chapter 7 On the Other Side of the Wall As they approached Queen Sycorax's unbreachable, impregnable, invincible wall, Zar let out a long crow of triumph. I did it, cried Zar, punching the air. You mean we did it? Wish corrected him. Which way now? asked the enchanted key, chattily. I've never seen an enchanted object that talked before, said Zar. I don't know what I'm doing, replied Wish, slightly hysterically. I don't mean to bring things to life at all. Wish was struggling to keep control of the flying door. It looked so easy when Zard did it six months ago, but somehow the door, when she was enchanting it, seemed to be going way too fast and zigzagging out of control all over the place. A bit like Wish's emotions. Wish knew she should be feeling horrified and anxious. She knew that warrior princesses really ought to fly on the back of doors in the company of wizards. She had tried so hard to be a warrior princess and to concentrate on all the maths work and the sword work and the letter work. But the truth was, in her heart of hearts, she was absolutely fed up to the back teeth with trying to work out whether I went before E, or what happened when you took X from Y, and whether she should be getting Madame Draglock's homework to the schoolroom or the stables because it was every second Thursday. Of course she was scared and sad that her mother was going to be so disappointed and so angry. But part of her was absolutely thrilled to be back in the adventure of it, soaring high, high over the battlements, high, higher still to get over Queen Sycorax's wall, the wind blowing her hair back. Oh my goodness, they were really going to get over it. Peering over the edge of the door, she could see the little figures of the warrior sentries, shouting, but not shooting up at them, way, way down below. Her heart beat fast. They were over the wall. The great forest stretched out for miles and miles like an enormous green carpet in every direction, full of excitement and possibilities of danger. The peril was instant, the out-of-control door was sinking fast, and Bodkin pointed to the tiny distant figures of the magic hunters pouring out of the gates of the fort. They had to get as far away as possible if they were not going to be caught very quickly. Bodkin ordered Wish, "'Take off your armour, it's weighing us down!' as Bodkin threw away breastplate after breastplate, spears, swords, leg protectors, arm protectors, they all fell into the forest below. The nose of the door lifted, though it became no slower. In fact, it speeded up. It became easier to control. Wish's heart lifted too. The enchanted door shot over the forest canopy as fast as a speeding arrow, and Wish thought joyfully, they'll never catch us now, or not to light at least. They zoomed over the ragged river, and on and on and beyond, out of Queen Sycorax's territory, out of the boringness of real life and punishment cupboards and horrible stepsisters, and into the drama and excitement of the wizard wildwoods. However, once they were away from Queen Sycorax's territory and flying above the forest, Wish's elation died, for there was something odd about the land she was looking down on, something different from the last time she had flown over it. Normally there was the friendly smoke of wandering giants moving slowly across the countryside, or the bonfires from the wizard camps, or great swarms of chattering sprites migrating south or north depending on the season. Now there was not a breath of smoke, 
not a sound. The forest was weirdly quiet, and worst of all, were sinister blackened circles cut into the woods like a child had torn into them with a wicked pair of scissors. Oh my goodness, whispered Wish. This has all been done by witches, said Zar grimly, finishing the sentence for her. I had no idea this was all going on, said Wish. It was a horrid thought that while life was going on exactly as normal in the warrior territories, they'd just been doing their training and their maths work, just like they always did. Terrible battles had been carried out on this side of the wall. Yes, well, that's your mother's all over, said Zar. As long as you're safe, she doesn't care about us. She's left to be, she's left us to be exterminated. That's not entirely true, said Wish. She hired the witch smeller and his magic hunters, didn't she? If the witch smeller is that guy with the sniffing nose and the weird pointing finger, do you really think he's going to improve the situation, said Zar. Wish had to agree. The witch smeller's arrival in the wild woods could not be described as an improvement. No, it's all down to me, said Zar moodily. I am the boy of destiny, after all. Bodkin had shut his eyes at the word witches. Witches were all he needed to make him feel thoroughly sick, particularly because he now got rid of most of his armour. He was a reluctant flyer at the best of times, but as a first-time pilot, Wish was sending the door swooping up and down and swaying side to side in such a wild and uncontrolled manner that his stomach seemed to have been left behind somewhere back in the castle. "'Which way should I take it?' said Wish. Zar pointed down to the right. "'The snowcats and Crusher are waiting for us somewhere over in that direction,' they said. It was a bit of a bumpy landing. When they got below the tree canopy, Wish had quite a lot of difficulty in getting the door to slow down because she'd always got a tad confused between left and right and the door slammed rather maniacally through the tree trunks until eventually she found a small clearing and they slammed down into the ground with such energy that all three of them were catapulted off the door. Whoa, said Zar with reluctant respect, picking himself up and brushing himself off. You are one crazy door driver, Wish. And then he punched the air and shouted, I did it! Quest accomplished. Look at me, oh gods of the trees and water, and bow down in respect. Oh, yes, well done, Zar, well done, squealed Squeeze Juice excitedly. You're brilliant, you really are. I most certainly am, said Zar with a grin. One thirteen-year-old boy flying very low has achieved the impossible double, breaking out of Gomin Craig prison and getting over Queen Sucrax's supposedly breachable wall. Not once, but twice. I am the boy of destiny. Feel my power. And then he threw back his head and howled too. Er, er, er. Wish and Bodkin, picking themselves up and realising the enormity of what had just happened, looked at the so-called boy of destiny. Very, very balefully indeed. Aren't you going to thank me for saving you, said Zar, just to add insult to the injury. What do warriors do, thank yous? The cheek of it. Ha! You saved us! exclaimed Wish in her outrage, hands on her hips. We saved you! If I had enchanted that door, those magic hunters would have killed you. And now Bodkin and I are in big, big trouble. Helping me out there was the least you could do when all your relatives were attacking me, said Zar. You warriors are not very friendly to your guests. Guests? Guests are invited! Guests are polite! Guests don't sneak in invisibly and try to steal things off you, said Wish. I think the word you may be looking for is burglar, not guest. That spelling book is mine, howled Zar. I need it for a very important quest. And talking of burglary, you warriors know all about that, don't you? Because you're the biggest burglars in the world. And you've been stealing this forest off us for as long as anyone can remember. You can't steal a forest, yelled Wish. The forest belongs to everyone. 
Try telling your mother that, Zark lowered. Your father is just as bad as my mother. I've seen him, said Wish. Wizard and warrior stood nose to nose in the forest, bellowing insults and curses at each other as if their ancestors had done throughout history, ever since warriors first invaded from across the seas and the two sets of humans met in battle in the wildwoods centuries before. Caliburn sighed. However many lifetimes he had lived, those humans never seemed to change. He'd hoped for better for these two, but maybe they were going to be just like the others. So I wasn't feeling too pleased with his father. So he had to agree with Wish's last remark. And Wish was feeling rather the same about her mother. They both paused. We shouldn't be fighting, Zar said Wish at last, sticking out her hand for him to shake. I've been really worried about what happened to you, and I'm so glad you're safe. I thought we were friends. Zar didn't have at all that many friends at the moment, what with one thing and another. And he rather liked Wish, even if she was an enemy. He was rather fond of the odd bodyguard who kept falling asleep. So after a while, he said, Thank you for helping me out by enchanting that door. Zar shook her hand and grinned back. And I like your style of, d- of door driving. Maybe there was hope for the humans after all. And it was really funny, wasn't it? His tittered storm blinking into life beside them. The witch smell is screeching like a screech owl. The spoon is alive, the spoon is alive. Now the danger was over, it really was quite funny. Wish and Zara and the sprites and even Bodkin were laughing at the memory of the witch smeller. The spoon did a brilliant impression of bonking him on the nose. And even Caliburn's shoulders were shaking before he remembered himself and gave a little cough. I'd just like to gently remind you that you're supposed to be meeting everyone else here, Zara. Zara stopped laughing. Oh yes, you're right, Caliburn. He whistled a couple of times. Now where are those snowcats? And Crusher, I told them not to wander off. Oh, there you are, exclaimed Zara, as out of the gloom of the forest there burst three stunningly beautiful lynxes, who padded over to Zara and greeted him a little enthusiastically, as if they had been three little kittens, knocking him over onto his back and slathering his face with licks. Night-Eye, King-Cat, Forest-Heart, Crusher, sang Wish delightedly, as with great crashing noises the giant lumbered into the clearing, pushing the trees aside, his head on a level with the topmost branches. She hugged the snowcats, burying her face into the deep softness of their fur, and then ran to embrace the giant round the ankle. Oh, I've missed you all. And we just missed you, thrilled Squeeze Juice, happily flying into her hair and making a joyful little nest in it. Ridden, hunkulous, humongular being. Some of us have, said Hinky Punk, and just to show that not all sprites were as soppy as Squeeze Juice, he blew a little sprite breath which froze Wish's fringe and stuck it to her forehead. Not me, though. I hate warriors. And this is the one sprite, said Zar, pointing the little sprite sitting on the back of a peregrine falcon that had landed on his shoulder. He's a new member of my sprite team. Your wicked mother took his magic away, but he's learning to live life without it, aren't you, one sprite? His wings don't work anymore, but he's learnt to fly on the back of this peregrine falcon. The one sprite was sprite-sized and sprite-shaped, for no bright light shone from his chest. His colour had faded till you could hardly tell what it might have been once. His wings had withered on his shoulders, and the sharp little points of his ears had turned and drooped. It's very nice to meet you, said Wish, giving the once bright a shy wave. The once bright did not look as if he had forgiven Wish for her mother's actions. He stared stiffly into the distance as though Wish were not there. But Wish was too happy in that moment to mind. 
The truth is, if you spend most of your life with your only real friends being an assistant bodyguard and a spoon, it's very nice to meet up with some other people who are on the same wavelength, even if some of them are a little annoying sometimes and supposed to be your deadly enemies. Bodkin drew his sword and screamed, Werewolf, get behind me, wish there's a werewolf! As he saw Lonesome for the first time, prowling in the shadows behind the other wolves, his tail swaying ominously from side to side. Oh no, that's fine, he's a friend, explained Zyle with a careless wave of his hand. I met him in Gorman Crag. A friend? You're friends with a werewolf, said Bodkin. This really was too much, even for Zyle. But werewolves are used to be known as companions for witches. And what were you doing in Gorman Crag? Isn't that some kind of prison? Lonesome was innocent. He should never have been in prison in the first place, said Zyle. And for a loner raving foul-mouthed werewolf, he's really quite friendly. He just needs a bit of help with his manners. Doesn't everyone in prison say they're innocent, said Bodkin, looking very dubiously indeed at the werewolf, who was pouring at the ground in some manic sort of way as if he was barely repressing the urge to rip them all to pieces. The werewolf bared its teeth menacingly at Bodkin. Oh, Bodkin, don't be so prejudiced, scolded Wish. This werewolf may be a very nice werewolf, for all we know. The werewolf paused for a moment, stiffening in surprise. He'd never met warriors before, having spent his whole life locked up in Gormancrag, and this was the first time that anyone had ever described him as very nice. Most people just ran away screaming. Why were you in prison, Zara? asked Wish, and why do you want the spelling book? I'd have just given it back to you. You didn't have to sneak in and steal it. Caliburn didn't want me to get you involved, said Zara, and I need a spelling book so I can make my father's staff work properly. I'm going to need all the magic that I can get in the quest I'm going on. A quest to get rid of this. Zar took off his glove. Wish and Bodkin let out horrified gasps. I wish you'd stop doing that, moaned Caliburn, putting one wing over his eyes, and as the sprites burned with green fire, hissing and cursing in alarm, and the snowcats and the wolves crouched down, growling. A trembling squeeze juice flew into Wish's hair and made a little nest there. Oh my goodness, whispered Wish in horror. What happened to your hand? It's the witch stain, isn't it? But I thought the stone that takes away magic had taken the witch stain away. We all saw it happen in my mother's dungeon. Yes, well, it didn't take all of it, said Zar. The great thing about it is that I could do magic now, and that was wonderful. At first. But the bad thing about it is it's bad magic, finished Caliburn. Very, very bad magic. And as you can see, it's getting worse. Bodkin and Wish shivered as they looked at Zar's hand. It looks so awful. You don't think you're not worried that it might turn you to the bad Zar, suggested Wish tentatively. She laid a gentle hand on Zar's arm. She could feel a slight coldness as she touched him, like ghost breath on the back of the neck. Zar wasn't looking well. His hair was damp as if he had a temperature. The green of the witch stain had crept all the way beyond his wrist. There was a feverish look in his eye, and he shivered now and then as if he were about to catch a nasty bout of the flu. Sometimes his hand stiffened, and his fingers curled and turned into claws. And even Zar found that a little scary. The Druze found out about the witch chain, and they shut me up in Gormancrag. They said they were trying to find a cure, but they were lying, and my father believed them, said Zar moodily. They all just want me to stay in Gormancrag forever. My father doesn't care. Well, I'll show them. But what are you going to do, Zar? said Bodkin. The stone that takes away magic is broken. You can't use that anymore. The only way to get rid of a witch dane is to get rid of the witches themselves, said Zar. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and destroy them. Bodkin looked at him with an open mouth. He had met witches before and knew exactly how scary they were. 
You're going to go out there and face a whole horde of acid-blooded nightmares all on your own, on purpose. But you're just one small boy. Caliburn coughed. And it's all very well saying saying you're going to destroy them, Zara, but how exactly? That's been my point all along. Well, that's why I need my spelling book, said Zara. I'm sure there'll be something in there that can help me. This is the most extraordinary coincidence, said Wish excitedly. What coincidence, moaned Caliburn, feeling the beginnings of a serious worry coming on. I hate coincidences. I've just today found a spell in the spelling book to get rid of witches, said Wish triumphantly. In fact, that's exactly why I broke out of the punishment cupboard. I wanted to get the spell to you and your father. Bodkin shows are. As soon as she said these words, the spelling book flew out of Bodkin's pocket and up into the air and into Wish's hands, growing larger as it flew. Wish tapped the letters onto the contents page to take them to the right part of the book. It was quite strange, really. I didn't find it so much as write it, admitted Wish. I was using the feather that Caliburn gave me to write with, and it was almost as if Caliburn's feather was writing on its own. They all crowded around the spelling book to see the page. The Spelling Book, a complete guide to the entire magical world. Bloody Barbeards. Bloody Barbeards are dangerous merpeople who live in the drowned forest. They have a grudge against all wizards, the reasons for which have got lost over the centuries, but any wizard found swimming in a sea of skulls will be dragged down to the bottom of the ocean by a bloody barbeard. Three-headed bugbear. Bugbears are large, annoying creatures with great tracking abilities. Once they are on your trail, they will very rarely give up. The third head on this bugbear is invisible. Telekinesis. Moving things with your mind. The power of moving things with your mind. Most wizards have to use a staff to move things through the power of mind control, but a few can use their hands, and in this case, a magic eye. It takes years of practice to perfect this art. The magic eye. Wizards with a magic eye are extraordinarily rare and will have more than one life. The magic eye allows the wizard to perform magic without a staff, normally a skill that takes decades to learn. However, the magic is so powerful it's extremely difficult to train and control. A magic eye only appears once in every couple of generations. Transformation. Transformation is one of the most difficult magic spells and extremely dangerous. For it is one thing to transform into another form, it is quite another to come back. If you stay too long, there is a risk that you might remain as the creature you transformed into forever. The stronger the wizard's magic powers, the longer they can stay transformed and still come back. House sprites. Most forts, either wizard or warrior, are infested with house sprites. These mischievous little creatures hide like mice in the walls or under the floorboard, and they come out at night to steal food or play tricks on the inhabitants of the forts. New Year's Resolutions Write your own story. 1. I will work hard at my reading and arithmetic so I can be top of the class. 2. I will mark a good impression on the teacher. 3. I will impress my mother so she does not think I am a disappointment. Signed, Wish. A spell to get rid of witches. Gather all ingredients and stir with a living spoon. Ingredients. 1. Giant's last breath from Castle Death. 2. Feather from a witch. 3. Tears from a frozen queen. 
the spelling book thanks you for reading and would gently remind you that things generally turn out alright in the end. Hopefully. Look, it's a recipe. Maybe the spelling book wants us to eat the witches, said Squeeze Juice excitedly, for Squeeze Juice was always hungry. That's not a recipe, said Zar. Oh my goodness, you're right. It's a spell to get rid of witches. I knew it. They all gazed hopefully at the spell. You wrote this with my feather, did you wish, said Caliburn, so worried now that the feathers were dropping from his back like leaves in autumn. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Sometimes I forget what happened in my former lives, but the memory lives on in my feathers. You've lost me there, Caliburn, said Bodkin, shaking his head. I have no idea what you're talking about. Former lives? Yes, I've lived many lives as a human, but this is the first time I've been reincarnated as a bird, explained Caliburn, as if this was the most normal thing in the world. So perhaps the feather is writing a message to me, from me, in one of my former lives. Bodkin's head was going round and round. These wizards and magical things were just so complicated. Having just the one life as a warrior assistant bodyguard was so much simpler than all this reincarnating, turning into birds business. But I've never actually heard of a spell so strong that could actually get rid of witches entirely, said Caliburn. Did I really know that in a former life? What does this mean? It means, said Tsar animatedly, that we're going spell raiding, guys. Oh, this is so exciting. Spell raiding was a rather disreputable part of the magic world. Spells needed ingredients, and some of those ingredients were hard to get hold of. So wild wingless young sprites called spell raiders specialised in collecting and stealing spell ingredients. They flew at night on the back of specially trained peregrine falcons in order to make a quick getaway. The once sprite cheered up no end. He had been drooping sadly on the back of the peregrine falcon, but now he sat up, so excited that he might have an important role to play in the world once more, that he accidentally fell off his bird, scrambling up on his back again, and saluted Zar, saying, I won't let you down, Zar. You can rely on me. Me too, me too, squeak squeeze juice. I wants to be a spell raider too. You's too young to be a spell raider, said the once sprite. It's very dangerous. You can guard some of the collecting bottles that we're going to put the ingredients in. The once sprite rustled in his spell bags and gave a few collecting bottles to squeeze juice, who said, I's guard them with my life. All right, let's see. What's the first ingredient, said Zara excitedly. The giant's last breath from Castle Death. The werewolf started to growl and gesticulate urgently. What he said was, Rrrr, grunt, Rrrr, grunt, Rrrr, and then a loud spitting noise and a stamp of the hairy foot followed by, Grrrr. Look, Lonesome's agreeing with us. He said we have to go immediately to Castle Death, said Zara. You can speak werewolf, I swish, deeply impressed. Oh yeah, fluently, said Zar carelessly. Would you say fluently, said Caliburn to no one in particular. Fluently, repeated Zar firmly. We wizards get lessons in werewolf language. Zar's brilliant, isn't he, said Squeeze Juice proudly. Speaks werewolf like he's a werewolf himself. Your lessons sound so much more interesting than our lessons, said Wish longingly. What's he saying now? Grunt, Rrr, stamp, spit, repeating the werewolf rather more urgently. Don't worry, Lonesome, I understand, said Zar. We need to go to Castle Death, immediately. Unfortunately, that wasn't what the werewolf was saying. Zar really should have concentrated harder in the werewolf language classes. Creel does indeed mean Castle Death, so Zar had got that bit right. 
but to go in werewolf language is grunt whereas grunt means stay away from. The Spelling Book Two-Headed Sabertooth Werewolves Werewolves do not only come out at night, as the legend suggests, and some are more friendly than others. This two-headed saber-toothed werewolf is remarkably speedy and very savage, so best avoided unless you are a very fast runner. The spit in the stamp was just for emphasis. So what the werewolf was actually saying was, For goodness sake, stay away from Castle Death! The werewolf got more urgent still. Bergen, stamp, spit, Bergen, grunt, war, nurgen, wah, grunt, kragler, And what that meant was, that's not what I said, you stupid human. Stay away, not go to. Stay away from Castle Death if you want to hang on to your pathetic little human lives. And then Lonesome threw his head back and started howling. Lonesome's just becoming a little frustrated because we th- he thinks we should be getting a move on, said Zar. Zar patted the werewolf kindly on the paw. Don't worry, Lonesome, we're going to go there as fast as we can. I think we should go too, said Wish decidedly. What? said Bodkin. So we're going to have to end it there for this episode. I do hope you enjoyed. And I hope to see you all listening the next episode so see you next time bye